This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Awesome Woodies. All the Awesome Woodies products are made by hand in Australia with local plantation timber. Awesome Woodies have got all of the gear to get your home training set up absolutely schmickered and sorted. If you need a hangboard, check out their homeboy. If you're looking to put up a campus board, check out their campus rungs, sloper rails and the half balls. I use all of their gear all of the time and I absolutely love it. Now once you've got yourself all fired up and ready to go from all that training, head out to the cliff with a crag board in your backpack. The crag board is an absolute game changer. It allows you to get warmed up and recruited without needing to burn through skin. I don't leave home without one of these anymore. So head to awesomewoodies.com, chuck in baffle days at the checkout for your next piece of game-changing equipment. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 20 of the Baffle Days podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Watts, and today I'm talking to an amazing group of mum climbers. I have Helen Day, Andrea Ha, Carly Le Breton, and I'll share my experiences too. I'm so grateful to these women for sharing their stories and experiences of pregnancy, childbirth, and motherhood, and it's a privilege to get to share mine as well. Um, we dive into things like getting to the cliff and traveling with kids our expectations on ourselves as mums and climbers, um, the reality versus what our dream was, our motivations to get back to climbing and what drove our desire to get back to training and climbing and how quickly we managed to do that and balancing our climbing dreams and goals as a parent, how we try and juggle it and whether we do it well or whether we do it poorly. It can be quite a daunting prospect um, when climbing's been a massive part of your life to um, become a mum and I think sharing our experiences um, will hopefully make it a little less daunting for any of the women out there who are about to um, embark on motherhood. Okay, so tonight we're talking to Carly Lebrun, Helen Day, Andrea Ha, and me, Amanda Watts, about what it's like being a climbing mum. <laughs> so we thought probably the best way to start was to uh, just let listeners know briefly what our climbing life was like before we had kids, because um, I think all of us have moved to the Blue Mountains or chosen to live in the Blue Mountains because we want a climbing life which means basically that our life revolves around climbing in one way or another. And so when you decide to throw kids into the mix, that's adding a whole another level of complexity. So Carly, when did you move up here and what does your climbing life look like? Uh, yeah, so I moved out when Rob and I first started going out. And uh, it, yeah, climbed a lot. We, we climbed a lot at Nowra, trained, you know, three, four times a week climbing on the weekend and Rob's got two girls as well so taking kids to the crag um, was okay when Remy came along because we'd sort of done it before when they were a little bit older though um, but yeah it was important to get them out to the crag and but yeah we did a lot yeah <laughs> we were at comps as well we did a lot of indoor um, I did a lot of setting as well and 
Yeah. Lots yeah. of hours a week. Yeah. Revolving around climbing. Climbing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think what we moved up here two thousand and two or three. And yeah, climbing was our life for many years. So yeah, you get anxious if you're not climbing like four days a week at least. Um, And then I think I had a baby before we had a baby, which was our business, which (laughs) we've had for 10 years. And climbing has taken on probably a different time, I think, since the business started. And I reckon probably since then, climbing two times a week and then maybe some training. And then with the business, I mean, sometimes that's once a week as well. But um, yeah. yeah, and then we'll try and go on a couple of trips a year. And then you find your flow again, depending on how business is going and stuff like that. So very much a climbing outdoors life, climbing indoors life, travelling mm. for climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Got to have climbing trips. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pre-baby. Yeah. Yep. Andrea, pre-kids for you? Um, Did you like climbing before you had kids? <laughs> <laughs> So I started climbing in Melbourne and then moved to the Blue Mountains because I wanted to climb more. (laughs) I wanted to climb several times a week and every weekend and be able to go away on climbing trips. So I moved to the Blue Mountains about 10 years ago and pretty consistently made that happen most of the time, except for the one year that Lee and I opened our businesses together. Um, But apart from that, we climbed like at least two or three times a week outdoors and then trained several times throughout the week. Mm. And a few overseas trips. Yeah. Um, there could always w- be more. Yeah, we'd always <laughs> go to the Grampians and Arapleys kind of at least twice a year or Mount Buffalo um, and then Tassie or internationally if we could. Mm. And I guess that's the same for me. I mean, most um, people have heard about Tom and I's Climbing Life on the podcast already, but if this, this is your first podcast you're listening to, um, before before we had Audrey, it was trying to get to the cliff two or three times a week. Four times a week would be more ideal. Um, more than that, and your skin's a bit too sore probably. Uh, training a couple of days a week. And, and uh, the ideal dream is an overseas trip once a year. But, mm. you know, that obviously depends on what's happening yep. and how much money you've decided that you managed to save that year. Mm-hmm. But the same as Andrea, a couple of trips to the Grampians or a Raps, Buffalo... Yeah, so very much I think climbing's really important to all of us. And then we all decide to have a baby at different times. So bang, bang, bang. I, <laughs> I've got a six-year-old, um, Andrea and Helen. Your babies are how far apart? Seven weeks apart. Um, Arabella is, what is she, 20, week, 20 months? <laughs> <laughs> 20 weeks. <laughs> weeks no. Months. <laughs> and I have a son, Max, who's 18 months. And then Carly, Remy's... Close to Remy, yeah, almost five and a half. Yeah. yeah, but I also have two stepdaughters that are adults now. So yeah, and how, so how old are they now? Uh, Mina's almost twenty-one, and Talia is nineteen. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> yeah, crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, adults. Yeah, wow. So it's quite a it's a great group of women that um, I've brought together because we've got some really interesting experiences. I think between the four of us, different approaches to how we do things. Uh, different experiences of pregnancy and birth and so that's what we want to talk about so I think pregnancy 
So when we, when we go through pregnancy, I think Helen was mentioning a mm-hmm. kind of love of milk products. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything white, really. Um, I had, that I sounds vomited. like Remy's diet right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remy, yeah exactly. White, white. Child's diet, pregnant yeah. woman, same thing. No. Yeah. Um, I had really bad morning sickness and... I remember my friend Amanda, who's a dietitian, <laughs> telling me before, she's like, you know, you got to be careful what you eat when you go into pregnancy. And I was just like, all of a sudden I was swapping out sourdough bread for white bread and just having like plain <laughs> pasta and cheese and you name it, Milo White and milk. chicken. We managed to convince white you White chicken. <laughs> um, could not touch vegetables. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I so. think you managed some canned corn at oh, one stage. Oh, corn. Chicken schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I try and get you to eat broccoli here once or some baby spinach? That made me gag. <laughs> it was horrible. It <laughs> Yeah. Um, lost my train of thought thinking about food. <laughs> <laughs> so I think was pregnancy different for each of us to what we thought it was going to be? I didn't really mm. have any preconceived ideas about pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> it was more about the finished product, you know, yeah. what it would be like afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Andrea? I mean, I was hoping to have... I think everyone hopes to have a small, smooth pregnancy and I was really lucky. Um, yeah, it all went as it should and had a really good natural birth. Um, like obviously I expected to feel a bit sick, in which I did. Um, luckily wasn't as vomity. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I like underestimated how uncomfortable it would be moving around and just sitting down and... Um, I suppose when I see a pregnant person now, I still quite strongly remember how that felt and I can't imagine going back to that feeling right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was interesting. You and I, I think, were quite similar in our pregnancies in that we put on more weight in the first half, like went from being quite lean, fit climbers and then sort of ended up just looking a bit chubby for 20 weeks and Andrea works as an exercise physiologist and I work as a dietitian so you kind of feel like you've got to um, clarify to your patients that you're not just eating lots of pastries and that you're actually pregnant because you didn't look pregnant like yeah until about maybe that was the hardest bit the first trimester I think because you're not you can't quite see that you're pregnant yeah and you're not feeling your best and then you're trying to work and yeah. And you just want to tell everyone as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, I just want to look secret. pregnant already. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I told everyone from six weeks. <laughs> it was just easier. Yeah. I yeah. could, I, yeah, there was too much going on in my brain. I was just going to blurt it out anyway. <laughs> so it was just easier. And I figured that if, if um, something went wrong, then I was probably going to have to process that anyway. Mm. And that I was probably going to end up blurting that out. So it was just easier yeah, yeah. for me to save on the worrying about blurting to just um (laughs) yeah to just tell people from the start but yeah everyone's got really different feelings about that I think yeah Mm. yeah definitely yeah I think I found the really what hard in the first trimester um I think going into it I expected to feel better than I did Mm. I didn't expect things to change too drastically So I think I'd reasoned with myself that I should feel relatively normal. So I should still be able to train, still should be able to climb relatively safely. And um, I just didn't feel like it. I just felt really heavy and really um, nauseous and just really tired. And 
I think there was a lot of mental pressure on myself during that period because I felt like I should be training at that time and there shouldn't be that much of a physical obstruction <laughs> to not train. <laughs> so then I was just I just found myself lying on the couch feeling guilty about not exercising mm. and then the times that I did just felt crap about underperforming. Um, yeah, yeah, so that was probably um, – took me by surprise actually. I've bumped into – you, Helen and Andrea at Baronia when I was about 13 weeks pregnant, I think, and I was trying to do a lap on Liptus, which is a grade 23 that we have done, all of us have done about 250,000 times. And I felt like that. I felt I felt heavy. I didn't have any grr that I normally have, you know, that normal lightness and connectedness to your body. I just felt different and, and I felt like, um, yeah, I think I felt a bit of pressure in my own head that I should I should have been able to do it as easily as I did before and I was just being a bit lame <laughs> by not wanting to and I also thought you know it's sort of I was excited about being pregnant and having a baby but I kind of everyone tells you that everything's going to change I remember a friend saying before I got pregnant you should get pregnant it'll be amazing having a baby's amazing and as soon as I was pregnant people started to say things like you're never going to read a newspaper again you're never going to have any time to go climbing. Forget your climbing dreams. And so being on Liptus that day, you two being five years off, still having kids and just bouncing in and being able to have a normal great day and me having this impending pregnancy ahead of me and then this life of no reading newspapers, um, it felt really scary. It's like mm. if this is how this feels at 13 weeks, how the heck am I going to get through the rest of pregnancy? So it was a real, yeah, it was really quite confronting, I think. How was it for you, Carly? Um, well, I had a few miscarriages to yeah. start with. So when um, I fell pregnant with Remy, I was like on strict instructions not to do anything. Oh, God. So the decision was made. I didn't. I couldn't climb. I couldn't go for a walk or anything. So yeah. I was kind of like, oh, well, if this is it, this is it, you know. So I was, it was kind of a bit easier, really, because I was just told not to climb and with with some some of the miscarriages I had, I did climb. Mm. So then I was like, well, maybe then I shouldn't climb. Yeah. And and it, you know I was at the hospital um, every week for the first um, twenty five weeks, I think. Wow. So yeah, so I was kind of like under control to to do that. So it was kind of yeah. That was, was your training plan going. Yeah, to the hospital. that was the training plan to yeah. sit in that reception at Penrith Hospital for <laughs> an hour and a half. <laughs> Wait till your name's called. Um, yeah, but I, I think it was... Did climbing really just take a back seat in that situation because you'd sort of wanted to have a baby so much and then I you'd th- had I think so, yeah. Definitely I was just like, oh, well, if climbing just, you know, it's it's not long really mm. and climbing's our passion anyway, so it will come back and you'll be able to do stuff again. Mm. But for now, just chill out, mm. relax because, you know, like everyone said, when the baby comes, <laughs> you're going to be off your feet. So mm. it was, yeah. yeah. So I think I that's been a really out. strong, like, p- point of reason in my head kind of throughout the whole pregnancy and even afterwards. Like, I know, like, I've always known I've wanted to have a baby. So you just kind of go along with it and you just know that eventually you will get back to your climbing and it will always be there. Um, and it's a sacrifice that you choose to make when you decide to have a baby. 
yeah definitely and mm. it's it's a good time for your body to rest from climbing as well you know like the the fingers and stuff like that so i thought yeah you know it's a rest period mm. <laughs> take some time off yeah still watch climbing i was still at the gym and going to the comps and stuff too so yeah i was still involved yeah still immersed yeah. in it and still surrounded by it it's funny because um so a question somebody sent in to me to ask us was who were your influences or influencers when you were pregnant oh yeah oh influences are we talking like not instagram influencers? <laughs> <laughs> like role models uh, uh, like, like in yeah, our personal life or are we talking yeah. internationally Oh, whatever. whatever. Like who, who was it? I mean, because for me, mm. you know, I had Audrey in 2014 and I think Carly and I, I mean, there are lots of people in climbing that have had kids. Yeah. But there weren't, I felt like it was just us, really. There weren't a lot of people at the cliff with babies that I knew. Or There's a lot of older kids. Yeah. I found, yeah. Yeah, but none our age. And so I felt like I was quite alone in in the whole yeah. process, really. <laughs> like um, Helen and Andrea were pregnant at a similar time and there were a few other people in our social circle that had had kids. So you had a few people to look at and go, don't want to do it that way. Or, yeah, that looks pretty good. Whereas, yeah, I felt like I didn't have... Beth Rodden was pregnant at the same time as me. So we ended up messaging um, a little cool. bit when we were feeding at night, which was interesting. She probably wouldn't remember who the hell I am now. <laughs> no, she probably would. I, I read her blog a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I really looked at that because I was looking for information around climbing in first, second trimester and how people did it and being safe and how people did it with a full body harness. And so I was really like, okay, what did Beth do? You know, and how many weeks did she climb till um, she transitioned from normal harness to a full body harness? And it, I f- it was nice to just, there's not much out there for that, I think, mm. which is I, I'm really excited about doing this podcast because, yeah, like it's really good to know other female rock climbers' experiences and how they did those stages. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think... Yeah, Beth, Beth Rodham was quite was interesting. Um, probably you, yeah. Mm. I'd say Amanda. Sorry, no one can see. <laughs> uh, probably Amanda, I'd say, was quite a big influence. Um, how she did it, you know, running a business, having a child and climbing. And I knew I wanted all those things. And, yeah, yeah, I like to be in control. So <laughs> mm. that was quite impor- important and I like structure. And, um, yeah, so I'd say that you were probably a big influence. Um, I think, like, parents and climbing have changed a lot in the last 10 or, or 20 years. Like, yeah. I'm sure it was very different for Carly when she had her st- um, Step stepdaughters at the yeah. cliff. Mm. But, um, yeah. like, I know growing up, at, like, starting to to climb at the Grampians and Rapleys, there were hardly any kids around. And, you know, I'd often go out climbing with some friends, like, um, yeah, and would go away for the weekend to the grandparents, but they'd leave their wife at home with their children. Mm. And that for me was quite confronting because I didn't want to be the wife at home with their children while my partner went off to the grandparents. So I remember when I first moved to the Blue Mountains, that was really, really empowering to see like heaps of parents around up here, like, um, and just so many strong women continuing to climb after they've had children. So um, Claire Helm, like yep. climbed the strongest she ever had after she had children. I remember she was breastfeeding her child and then finished breastfeeding and climbed to Mr. Joshua at Taipan Wall, which was her That's first cool. 
her first <laughs> climb on Taipan Wall. Like mm. that was really inspiring. Mm. Um, and then people like Philippa Matthews and Corrine Wyther. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think when I first moved here and I met those women, that was really inspiring for me mm. and just reassuring for me to know that if I decide to have children up here, it doesn't mean that my climbing life ends. Mm-hmm. Um, Monique. I mean, Monique's yep. climbed Monique, her hardest yep. route Monique, after Karen. She Karen, yeah, Allen, Karen yeah. Allen. Yep. Yeah, Karen's uh, climbed really hard after she had mm. kids. Yeah, yep. and so I think the local community has been really, really, um, yeah, inspiring in that way. Do you yeah. remember that day we were at Mainwall in the Glen in the Blue Mountains and um, Claire was with us climbing and she just zipped up Vince? in a down jacket and everyone just thought it was a down jacket in the pile but it's like no there's a baby in there and <laughs> just like oh wow that's so rad yeah like she's just out there with her child and mm. yeah it was good to see yeah mm. yeah it's funny it's interesting um reflecting on that because it's it's true like karen and chris were living karen allen were living across the road from me um before i got pregnant and actually they took Tom and I for a celebratory dinner as soon as they heard that we were pregnant. They were so, so excited that we were going to have a baby. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just this, like, people in the background that could have a climbing life um, up here. Mm. Mm. That kept it going. Yeah. So, I guess, um, in terms of climbing when you're pregnant, how was that for everyone? Because for me, I thought that I would want to climb through my pregnancy. And then I remember trying to warm up on a, a 21 Jaws at Wave Wall cool. with a big fat belly. I remember that, yeah. And it's a bit steep. And when you can't use your abs because there's a belly pushing them out, something steep ends up becoming quite tricky. And I just, I just didn't like the feeling of it. Like I liked a certain, it turned out that I liked a certain feeling of balance and movement in climbing that I couldn't feel when I was pregnant so for me I I just ended up dropping back to bouldering and traversing around at the climbing gym and going for walks and I thought I'd run through my pregnancy but it for me it just felt like I was shaking this (laughs) baby and it felt right I didn't run it felt uncomfortable Mm. I mean people do ultra marathons you know they run heaps during pregnancy and I I know um, Andrew could probably comment on that as an exercise physiologist but there's it's absolutely safe to do so Mm. And I knew that and I'd read everything and I was going to run and climb through pregnancy, but I just found it uncomfortable. So I tried to keep a sort of maintenance dose in, but just um, dropped it back. How was it for you guys? Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't climb You couldn't? Yeah. yeah. Didn't yeah. do anything. <laughs> yeah. I have similar memories on Jaws and, um, yeah, I think they got to a point where it wasn't very fun climbing steep stuff. And then I just really enjoyed going to Shipley and just moving on your feet more. And just stretching out and it felt really nice for quite a long time, actually. Um, consider everybody out there who's going to get pregnant, consider what time of year you get pregnant. Because <laughs> my those, baby was yeah. due in April, which meant that you couldn't climb the slabs at Shipley because it was summer. Mm. <laughs> so I mm. didn't have the option of climbing in the hot slabby yep. things. So I was three weeks pregnant. Have a winter years. pregnancy. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really enjoyable. And it was quite funny wearing like a full body harness. I remember... I always, you know, like, want to be, oh, like, yeah, we'll, you know, climb up and then you, like, re-thread and everything. And then you're like, oh, this is so annoying to re-thread. And then, like, the harness is in the way and everything is in the way. And so you soon realise, like, I'm just going to top rope. And it, <laughs> yeah. But it's actually really enjoyable. 
and when she kind of let go of the fact that you've got a huge belly and you're top roping and there's not much point in re-threading and just top rope. It's So letting go of the performance element and just getting so. the funness of climbing And just in looking there. like, I don't know, a bumbly, whatever that is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Andrea? Because I remember seeing you at um, NARA and you must have been, I don't know, to me you were probably like 50 weeks pregnant and... <laughs> and still still trying to cut laps on 24s. Wham, and I, bam, thank you, man. Yeah, on wham, bam, thank you, man. <laughs> oh, my God. And I know Lee Lee was so proud of you. He's like, Andrea just did that pregnant. I'm like, that's super Minus cute. Minus the start. Yeah. <laughs> the start's got a really bouldery move, Yeah, um, yes, which I just pulled time. through. So I called it like a 24 with an M4 move or something. Yeah. I don't understand aid grades, but I gave myself an aiding assist grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you climbed from the start to the finish. Yeah, I think like from a professional point of view, like as an exercise physiologist, I know Amanda, you were saying like it's safe to run, like people are told that it's safe to run from the start to the end of their pregnancy, but obviously it's case by case. So for someone like Kylie, she was advised not to um, because of it's just a higher risk. But like it's a really hard thing to to give really clear instructions about because no one's going to volunteer to be part of a study in which it might harm their baby. Mm. So, yeah, for the research that has been done, what's recommended is if it's something that you've been doing leading up to your pregnancy and that if you feel like it's safe to do, then you can continue to do it. So if you've always been a runner and if you feel like it's okay for you to keep running as you progress in your pregnancy, then that's considered safe um for me I wasn't running much before my pregnancy so it just didn't feel right for me to start running in my pregnancy Mm. and I also felt like I was gonna pee myself the minute (laughs) I started running but I could um I could walk like I went walking even though like I felt really short of breath um I just knew that would be really good for me and climbing so like I climbed in my normal harness for as like maybe eight weeks or so, and then I started to wear Lee's harness. <laughs> um, and then from about 12 weeks, I wore a full-body harness um, and just top-roped. And I didn't belay anyone who was taking, like, lots of falls. So if they're dogging on routes, I wasn't wasn't belaying for that. The belaying felt really vulnerable, actually. I remember getting to a point where I was climbing with someone and they were going to be trying to red point. I don't know, you know, don't believe the trip or something at Baronia, let's say. And the thought of someone falling off and I might have even been Tom just doing some laps and having that, my harness pull up and put pressure on, it just felt completely wrong, felt too vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, like it's hard to know. Like the harness, like as, as someone pulls, like it pulls outwards. It's not like it's compressing, mm. but, you know, it's still compressing around the sides and mm. – that that just didn't feel very good. So it's nicer to drink tea and let someone else. Blow. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not really it's not worth it. Um, yeah, and then in terms of bouldering, like just really easy bouldering and traversing, and mm, like traversing. I, I stopped jumping down from the top of the bouldering wall. I just okay. down climb everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think the shortness of breath thing was something that took me by surprise. Um, we had a circuit that we used to do in Blackheath where we'd walk up to the oval from our place and around and I had to only go down the hills. I couldn't, you know, usually you sort of look for the hills when you're walking because you're trying to get more of a workout and I couldn't. It's like, no, we're not going up the hill. We have to go down it. 
we're going right here. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I think just for me, the, the climbing felt better than going for walks. Yeah, totally. Because when you go for yeah. walks, like it's so co- in your face that you are short of breath. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when you're climbing, you can take your time and um, yeah, it, that just felt more natural for me than um, walking. And then also just doing weights. So mm. um, I'm fortunate t- enough to have access to a gym. So I just did weights instead of um, climbing and walking as much. Mm-hmm. Were you allowed to do any strength stuff at all, Carly? Or it was just no, just, just completely have nine completely months off? Yeah, or ten just months rest. Off. Yeah, was it yep. enjoyable, or was there was it a bit stressful because you were worried? Yeah, probably. I didn't really think about the non-climbing, non-exercise. I was more worried about you know the outcome. Mm. So, is there a point in that um, in your pregnancy where you started to relax a bit? Yeah, I think at about thirty weeks. Maybe a bit, maybe 32 weeks. I was like, okay, it's, it's worked this time. Yeah. You know, we're going to go through, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been really tricky. Did you have a lot of support through that time? Yeah, definitely, yeah. The Nepean Hospital was amazing. The staff there was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a lot of experience from Rob. Yeah, Rob was amazing, yeah. Yeah. So did, I guess we're all pregnant, right? Did you have any thoughts about how your life was going to change, your climbing life was going to change, or did you have any plans, fixed sort of ideas about how you wanted things to be when the baby came? Mm, don't know. No, I think, yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm stumped now. <laughs> I think, Carly, you probably had, you probably had the best framework over all of us because you had two older kids and a partner who... Yeah, well, Rob had the experience of having the little, like a baby. Mm. So that was great. Um, But in terms of logistics of everything, you know, we'd done it before and worked it all out. And Mm. it was just having the newborn that was, it was different for me. Yeah. 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 You do kind of think, oh, yeah, it'd be right, you know, but nah. Mm. (laughs) Sleep and all that. I think my situation was that Tom Tom's work at the time was fly-in, fly-out, rope access work. So I knew that potentially he was going to have to be away and um, I knew that for my mental health I needed to be able to get out and climb and be able to train a bit because um, I don't know what you liken it to. I don't know anyone who likes climbing and exercising and feeling fit and healthy. It's not... It's not a compulsion or obsession. It's just what life feels like when it's normal. So I was concerned with not being able to have that happen and had a couple of people say that had kids a year older than me, if you think you're going to be able to find help like a nanny or anything like that with your kid, think again. It's really hard to find someone in the Blue Mountains. And so for me thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have these like 14 days at a time where I'm completely by myself and Tom's away and how the heck am I meant to juggle a baby and working a bit and that was, yeah, I was really concerned about having postnatal depression if I didn't set something up. So I was logistics girl from the start, like, um, you know, planned, sort of set up people that could help. Luckily enough, um, uh, Andrea's mother-in-law is um, was our nanny for, well, she still is. She's like a surrogate grandma, not surrogate because that means she carried her. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. So that's weird. That that's is really weird. weird. <laughs> I know. That's not the word. 
<laughs> What's the word? She's like a second step grandma, step grandma to Audrey. <laughs> so we'll just say she's like a grandma. Yeah. So <laughs> we had her set up um, to be able to help on certain days. <laughs> no, Leonie did not carry Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I needed to know what the routine was going to look like. Mm. So, you know, I was, I guess from the outside, I probably looked overly organized and um, overly thinking about it. But for me, that was about how I could be safe in the situation and not end up with postnatal depression. Whereas I know other people are just completely freestyle with it, which makes me feel really stressed. (laughs) I think I was um, I was quite worried about loss of identity for myself. I think that was probably one of my biggest worries. No, not maybe not biggest, but a worry in pregnancy and like my selfish endeavours. I'm like, I'm going to have to put all those aside. And so I think once Arabella was born, I was quite conscience, conscious to not lose myself. Like that quite, felt quite important. And again, I probably, I was like, okay, Amanda's a nanny and so I thought if I can and we're in a good position and lucky enough to be working for ourselves and going okay I thought I'm gonna try and get a babysitter like one day a week and just see how that feels and I'm really glad I did that um and then Andrea and I both put our names down for daycare and I skimmed in just and I think you were on the top of the list and how old were the babies when we took them I didn't send Max until he was 14 months. Yeah, okay, 14 mm. months. Yeah, but the place that we've sent him to is really good and we put them on the wait list. I put him on the wait list when he was like two months old. Yeah, yeah, mm. and another friend of ours missed out. And um, yeah, so I think that's it's one part of post-pregnancy and what that looks like. Having, I guess a lot of us up here don't have family, so our climbing community becomes our family and um, support like that and it's quite important I think to have those things in place afterwards. Yeah somebody said to me it's funny because um, a friend that doesn't have kids and I I, I don't want to confess but I'm going to that before I had a baby I thought how could you put your kid in childcare to go climbing but I think the thing that you don't know before you have kids is that you're a parent 24 hours a day seven days a week you don't stop thinking about them when they're not with you. They, um, yeah, they, you can be on a red point and they're still, their little face is right there with you the whole time. <laughs> so, you know, part of using, for Tom and I, when we had Leonie look after Audrey one day a week so we could have a day climbing together, it was about, you know, protecting our relationship, making us better parents, giving her a bit of resilience because she ha- gets to have a really good relationship with somebody else. Or she gets socialisation with kids, you know, when she's at, if with your kids being at daycare. And so it wasn't just a, we're going to offload our kid onto someone so that we can go climbing, which is how it can look, I think, on the outside before you have one yourself and you realise just how hard being a parent is. Yep. What did you do for childcare? Uh, Remy started um, a daycare when he was about nine months. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I put his name down. He was about six months. So it came up pretty quick. Um, but I went to the gym and set roots. <laughs> that was my goal, was to get back to setting. Yeah. And, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, it was really good. 
yep. to be able to do a day setting. Yeah. Yeah. I think people choose a certain um, lifestyle for themselves. And I think mm. as a climber, you choose a certain life. Like, you, you know, most of us still have to work. Um, we can't be professional athletes. And um, so we've got to balance the work and the climbing. And the climbing is really important. And, you know, so much of our self-esteem and our confidence and how we feel about each other and then also how we feel with our partner because our quality time that we spend with our partner is when we're climbing. And if you take that away from you and you add in a child, like all of that's quite challenged. And um, so I think it's, it's not just a chelf- selfish pursuit to go climbing. It's actually like really good quality time with your partner. And then also um, something that is important for your confidence and your self-esteem. Um, it's just like if someone holds their self, um, really prides themselves in their position at their job and how much money they earn. It's just like that with our climbing. So whether that's feeling competent and being able to climb something from bottom to top or just being able to go have an adventure, like it's that, um, yeah, that competency that you feel at the end of the day and how good you feel as a person. Um, so I think that was really important for me in the early, really early stages of my like newborn mothering because <laughs> Max was a really hard baby. He was really unsettled. He slept really badly and cried a lot. And, um, and so you needed earmuffs, I think, didn't you? I remember I Lee w- saying that he could scream louder than like a old petrol drill. Yeah, he screamed really, really loud, really high-pitched throughout very long hours of the morning. And, um, you know, so many friends said to me, go and go to sleep, go and have a sleep. You need <laughs> to sleep and rest. And I just couldn't do that. Like, it's just not what made me feel good at the end of the day. And, um, and so many people asked me, like, how are you still climbing when you're not getting any sleep? But, like, I just felt like I wasn't mastering this mothering thing and I needed to be able to climb because that's what made me feel better. Mm. Um, and it's what made Lee and I felt like we were competent in something and what, fe- what felt familiar. So, um, yeah, that kind of took us by a surprise. But um, that's why we fought so hard to make that work. I think that's a really interesting point to think is that when there's so much change happening, it's the little anchors that we have that make us feel normal. And when climbing is such a huge part of your life, that climbing rhythm, like even just the soreness in your body or the sense of going to the gym, pulling your shoes on, you know, it's not about going to the gym after you've had a baby four weeks earlier and getting up your hardest problem. It's not about the performance element. It's about the rhythm of life and having some sense of some of it feeling good. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, my experience was almost the opposite to you in that I had an, I had an awful birth, 26-hour labour, ended up having, like they call it an emergency caesarean, but it, it felt like the only option and choice that we actually got to make um, because the obstetrician came in, the anaesthetist put an epidural in. And then Tom said instead of it being like a scene from some horror movie where I just screamed the whole time. I just sort of looked at him and almost said, would you like a cup of tea now? And all the stress went out of the room. 
And then we got to make the decision about whether we were going to try and push through with the birth naturally or have a cesarean. And at that point, I was so tired. It just felt like the best thing to do was to have a cesarean. And I think I was so crazed at that point. I said to the obstetrician, will my abs still be okay for climbing (laughs) if you cut them? And she said yes. She would have said yes no matter what (laughs) at that point anyway. Um, And so then I, like you, Carly, with your pregnancy, I had the choice taken out of my hands. Like Mm. I had every intention of getting back to being as active as possible as soon as I had the baby. Had the running pram ready, the baby beyond things, like, you know, everything ready and couldn't. Like I wasn't really allowed to do much for – couldn't drive for six weeks, so there was no way I was going to be pulling on to climb. But for me, I think because work had been crazy and climbing had been crazy and so intense for so long that – and I worked 50-hour weeks up until two weeks before Audrey was born – that to have the choice taken away from me and just have to sit at home with a baby for six weeks. And I had an easy baby, relatively speaking. Like, she slept pretty well. Um, she wasn't – she didn't scream much. You know, she was a pretty easy, straightforward baby, I think. Um, although, you know, maybe that's just my memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was a bit heavenly that first couple of months because I just couldn't do anything except learn how to try and walk up to the end of the road and back again. So I think that's something interesting to know too is, you know, for some people I think they have an elective Caesar and I think that ends up being something that's pretty comfortable. But for me it was, yeah, I couldn't stand up in the shower very well for more than a couple of minutes and then had to have a chair in the shower and it took a week and a bit before I could walk to the end of our street and back, which is probably about 20 metres. And then walking up to town and back was really exciting. That was like, so then I think I ended up approaching those sorts of little milestones like they were climbing goals. Yeah. Mm. When did you get back to climbing, Carly? Um, Well, I had a cesarean as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it was about, I think it was about eight weeks before I went down to the gym and did some, you know, easy top ropes. Yeah. Which, you know, felt hard. (laughs) <laughs> but then it was like, yes, I'm on the wall, you know. Mm. And just, just doing easy laps, getting back into it was so much fun. And you just learn all those little climbing skills that you'd kind of forgotten. And um, I remember the hardest thing was like lifting your legs like up to a certain point. Oh. You were just like, mm. yeah. Hip uh, They yeah. just don't go anymore. But, but after yeah. a cesarean, I remember lying on the floor and Ben Cossey coming round. And he came round to... I think meet Audrey and I was lying on the floor with my knees bent and I couldn't lift my feet off the ground so to go from us doing like front lever training to then not being able to lift your feet off the ground because your abs can't work that was pretty funny was it like that having had a natural birth um I think I had a pretty good birth too um I'm just trying to (laughs) it's all blur when could you (laughs) lift your feet off the ground (laughs) Everything was pretty good. Yeah, I had like a seven, four, four, five, six, seven hour. It was about seven hour labor, and um, natural birth. Um, afterwards, I think getting back into climbing, as I think I've talked about this before with you, Amanda, is I remember being like, okay, I'm gonna climb something a bit steeper, and I remember getting on Liptus at Brony Points, twenty three done so many laps on it and cutting and all of a sudden I got this lightning pain in my um pubis area like it was really painful like and so basically um it's a thing 
and I can't remember what it's called now, but it's like one in four women after pregnancy get it. Um, symphysis pubis something. Something, something. Exercise physiologist. Pubic symphysis pain. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And like I didn't know that was a thing. So I guess that was probably my thing after pregnancy. Like that was pretty full on. Um, so anytime I cut or got on a steep wall, um, yeah, like I just got this lightning pain. So it was when you needed to hold tension through your leg when you were sort of leaning in a steep on a steeper route? Was when it I needed to use my core. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So when I needed to engage my core and I thought it was kind of working but it obviously wasn't working that well. Mm. And um, yeah, and then I think I'd um, chat to a couple of people about it that knew about it. And they were like, oh, you know, you've really got to warm up properly and you've really got to do your exercises. And, yeah, I think that was probably my one of my biggest hurdles of getting back into climbing, which really wasn't that bad. But it was interesting just not having that ability, yeah, that you normally do. Yeah, and I remember you having to just come off some routes sometimes or pull through. So I think your strategy was, ah, that hurts too much. I'm just going to pull through these couple of drawers and then yeah, get to the slab. felt w- weird, yeah. Mm. I think it's a big thing to ask the body to, you know, go from preparing to have a baby. So your body's just creating all these crazy hormones in terms of growing a baby and then being able to give birth to a baby. And your pelvis just has to go through so many different hormones to then... (laughs) Yeah, like you've got to dilate to 10 centimetres. 10 centimetres. And then... You know, after you have the baby, it's not like the hormones just disappear within a second, like once the baby's gone. Like those hormones need time. And, um, yeah, they just take time to go away. And then also, um, yeah, the strength that you've got to build back around your abs and around your pelvis is just takes a bit of time and training. And, like, not only after you have a baby are you going through that process, you also don't have the, the time for yourself to be able to, rehabilitate properly um so yeah in between feeds at night (laughs) (laughs) so obviously while you're putting your baby to bed and everything else you're trying to do the have a core work yeah you're doing your (laughs) core workout yeah (laughs) it was interesting though because the cesarean was such a shock for me you know like I was so used to being capable and I have to admit I find it hard to ask for help so the thought of not being able to be completely self-reliant was really confronting and not being able to, like I couldn't sit up in bed and just swing my legs over. You know, to roll over and it was really hard to get mm. out of bed. So I remember spending quite a bit of time Googling how do you get your core strength back. Not for like, uh, you know, I had was not thinking about climbing projects at that point. I was thinking about being able to have a shower <laughs> and, you know, pick up the baby comfortably. And it's actually quite tricky to find, you know, like a really... Yeah, I'm sure there's thousands of books, but at that time it was really quite hard to find something that said, if you've had a cesarean and you're a rock climber, do these exercises in this progressive way. And the pain surprised me too. So I remember getting Lee to come round and I'm like, I feels like something's wrong. And he explained how they cut the abs open and moves, not cut the abs open, how they, the layers work so that I could visualize it so that then I could disassociate with the pain I was feeling and give it a different meaning because it felt to me like they stitched it all wrong on the left-hand side or something and it kept catching and it was really painful. And I also saw Andrea, funnily enough, um, to get an exercise physiology program to rehab, I think, so Mm. that I could try and get some progressive strength back because I was really aware of potentially injuring myself 
and I was aware of what I didn't know about training after giving birth. And so for me, it was a control thing. It felt good to have a progressive plan um, from a strength building point of view, building my core up again so that I could get back without getting injured. And then I decided I was going to try and do 20 routes at each grade so that I didn't injure my fingers. So I did 20 routes up to grade 20 and then like 20. Like I did. <laughs> you didn't. Well, I didn't do 20 at each grade and I hurt my finger instead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody listened to me. <laughs> yeah, I did 2021s, 2022s, 2023s, 2024s and the 25s, I think. I might have done 2025s and then it got to 26 and above and I was like, ah, if I do a few, I'm happy. By that stage, I'd done enough climbing. What felt okay. That was kind of interesting. What's that hormone um, that Rel- feeding re- relaxes everything? For breastfeeding and for... Yeah. Post is oh it relaxing oxytocin? No, <laughs> what's that? Am I saying things words? <laughs> well, I think yeah, relaxing. Relaxing. Um, yeah, yeah, is a hormone to just help your joints relax. <laughs> yeah, and I, that afterwards, I think early on, a combination of lack of sleep and um, loose joints. Uh, I, I did a finger as well, not as bad as yours, Andrea, but yeah, I remember definitely tweak something early on because you just don't quite understand. Mm. Yeah, you're just trying to push through a little bit, Mm. get back to what you used to be. Yeah, there's lots of research now around sleep and injuries. Mm. And I mean, obviously with um, relax and all those hormones that are going around and injuries, that's, um, yeah, it increases your risk. But Mm. do you, why do you think you got injured? Because you didn't do my 20 routes at each grade (laughs) plan and you jumped straight back on equalizer. (laughs) Um, I mean, I had... Like a really smooth pregnancy, like obviously um, was doing a lot less than I normally would. So that's like nine months in which you're not climbing how you usually would. And even though I was trying to do weights and like a bit of bouldering here and there, it's just not normal climbing. Did you fingerboard during your pregnancy? Uh, Not much. Yeah, I yeah. thought I no, would. No, I found that really tedious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and Carly, did you um, have like a weighted fingerboard that you no, held? You just, just let it go. Just let yeah. it go. Yeah, let everything um, go. Yeah, I think just, you know, you have, yeah, just nine months in which you're not training normally. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you weren't pregnant, if you have nine months where you're not training normally, you're going to come out of that period feeling pretty bad. And... um yeah, I mean, I had a natural birth and like being an exercise physiologist and then married to a physio who's also a climber. Like I'm in a pretty good position to try and get back to climbing. But um, yeah, I started doing some rehab pretty soon after having a baby. Um, but obviously structure's not there, time's not there. Um, hormones are still a bit off and um sleep's not there and I think it was maybe three uh, maybe six months after I had max I don't know not very long but I was on equalizer which is a grade 28 at upper Shipley with a stupidly hard crux with a really crimpy hold and um it was in the sun and I was just being really stubborn as normal <laughs> and just wanting to get to the top of this climb because I did it like 10 years ago and um, <laughs> I hurt my finger. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that just meant that I couldn't climb properly for another two months and 
Yeah, which is the stupid thing. You want to climb and prove yourself. Um, then you hurt yourself and then you can't do what you need to do, mm. which is climb. Would you do that differently again? So um, I think, you know, people are going to... Um, that are listening are going to be planning how they climb after. <laughs> She's a stubborn person in her, says no, I would do if, it the same. If, <laughs> if you had have asked me like four months ago, I would have said, no, I wouldn't do it differently, but then I hurt my finger again about four months ago. So, um, and then I also hurt it again about three weeks ago. Um, like the reality is, like I think having a lot of things that you're trying to juggle in life and... Um, different priorities at different times it just means that you can't have the perfect scenario all the time mm. and um yeah I'd, I'd love to be a professional athlete in which the number one priority is just to focus on that one sport but that's just not the reality like we have financial commitments we have businesses and um and you have a little human to look after mm. and you really care about them. So sometimes those things just aren't the priority and that's okay. Um, yeah, I think it's about not being stubborn and trying to remember that in times where you're trying to make the most out of your climbing day. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and deciding maybe that you need to be a bit more warm or letting go of that hold, not pushing yeah. through. Yeah, I think it's a really fine balance between like pushing yourself and because obviously that's what makes you a good athlete. Mm, yeah, totally. Or a, a good person at anything is is pushing yourself when you're uncomfortable and doing things that might not necessarily feel like the safest thing to do or the most ideal scenario. Um, yeah, I could think of dozens of scenarios in which I should have walked away potentially but that would have meant that I wouldn't have done that route or mm. I wouldn't have... Yeah, the gamble paid off. Yeah, yeah, mm. it is a gamble. But I suppose you just have to set yourself up as best as possible for yeah. each gamble. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's the thing with climbing and pushing yourself. It doesn't matter whether that's at the lower grades or the higher grades. Like, you're just staying just under that level of injury, really, the whole time when you're training to try and get the best out of yourself and get gains. So I think <clears throat> that's something being in mum life that I've found is um, your head is so much fuller of so many more thoughts. Like, you know, I showed up to the cliff today, I did school drop-off and then I was meant to be at the car park at 9 o'clock, school drop-off's 8.55 um, and I was meant to meet <laughs> for climbing at 9. I told the people that I was going to meet that, it, you know, school drop-off was 8.55 but, um, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean much to people. I needed to buy coffee beans on the way. <laughs> which is just another an, important priority which is a nothing <laughs> thing but when you've got kids it's an important thing and so you've got all these millions of things in your head and suddenly getting the warm-up right doesn't necessarily come off that well mm. was injury something you thought about Carly or were you just I mean you've got the I guess the gift of having a climbing gym that you get to spend yeah, lots of time at yeah I did get to do a lot of climbing at the gym Mm. and um, really controlled circumstances yeah and I made sure that I was just doing all the easy routes you know a bit like your 2020 but yeah on plastic so I made sure I had a lot of mileage before mm. I started any kind of training yeah did you have any injuries um I got a hernia at some point <laughs> Remy was about 
three months. So then I had to have that operated on oh, in ouch. like in the middle of the abs. Um, but I don't know if that was from climbing or having a baby or, or just life and what's life, happen yeah. anyway. Um, but that was that was yeah only just a few niggles now actually. Mm. But later on, yeah. yeah. So mum life then. So we've all got babies. Um, and I think we've all done it a bit differently because Carly, you have two older kids, stepkids, and yep. Remy. So you had a really good framework to be able to do it. And Nara, you live in the Blue Mountains, but Nara is where you've spent a lot of time. So you've done a lot of driving. Yeah. And then we've got Helen, Andrea, and I who live in Blackheath. So we've got the crag five minutes away from us um, and had sort of people to watch how to do it. Um, but, you know, I think one thing someone said to me was if you think you're going to be able to drive anywhere in the car with your baby, forget it. They just cry. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to read the newspaper and I'm not going to be able to drive anywhere. Why did I have a baby? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so did you just chuck Remy in the car straight away and start driving down to Nara? Yeah, well, I think because um, mum was in Wollongong, we were driving. We did a lot of driving. We drove to Villawood every, you know, second day anyway. anyway. Yeah. So I think Remy... He was really good in the car. He'd just, like, pass out as soon as he kind of got in the car, which was awesome. And then um, a bit later on, he discovered the iPad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but yeah, driving to Nara and stuff probably helped with yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, so you just and started we young. Yeah, just jumped in. Yeah, and were you a routine person? Because, I mean, I was a real routine person. I'd got taught that you – I went – my friend sent me to sleep school when I was pregnant, and so they said – you feed, then you play, then you sleep. And that's what you get the baby to do. And you just, that's, yeah. And because Tom was going to be away and I was going to mm. be working, I just needed something to grab onto and it worked for us. So that meant that if we were going to be out at the cliff, then it was sleep time, it was sleep time, they went to sleep. And yeah. or if we're in the car, we timed a trip around that. Were you like that or you guys freestyled? Well, half and half, I suppose. You kind of knew that he had a nap at a certain point of the day and it was roughly around that point mm. um but yeah if we're at the crag had a little nap at the crag or the gym remy slept in the office many times um but yeah it was pretty cash routine yeah yeah, yeah. and I helen and andrea you guys were chalk and cheese with that stuff we, we were quite different with that yeah yeah but uh, i was just thinking then like i actually find found the first part quite um, fun having Arabella at the cliff because she was quite easy because you just feed her and she sleeps and then you play. Mm. Yeah, so having a little routine, a little structure. I remember bringing like a little bassinet called The Nest, which was, I can't remember who made it. Mm. You tell me about it. Mm. Um, yeah, and you kind of like just let them play at the cliff, whatever that involved, probably just sitting on your knee or whatever, and then putting them down and going to sleep. I've got really fond memories of that. And I've got a photo on my fridge of... Max and Arabella, like two little fatties, like just on my knee at Baronia Point. Like in some ways it was quite easy to get out climbing when they were that Before age. they move. Like before before they, move, they move. It was quite yeah. easy. Like, um, yeah, definitely not. Like I definitely was tired um, and you're feeding more, I guess, and then you got to change them and then they poo and blah, blah, blah. But you're getting out then and I found that quite good. I remember being at Nara with Audrey. We went on our first trip when she was three months old and Tom was red pointing something at Rosie's, something hard, um, and Audrey woke up 
And so we <laughs> we were the people, luckily there was no one else there, but he had, I don't know, let's say in your head as the mum on the ground with the baby that started crying, you're thinking, I think he's got about 12 moves. If he doesn't rest too long at that rest, it should only be about 40 seconds. Is there going to be any damage done to her? Is it better that he just red points this route? Then we don't need to come back and have him do that. Anybody outside of climbing would think I was a nutcase and that he should just come down and I should pick the baby up. But, you know, she'd just woken up. She was having a grizzle. He's on red point. These are the things that happen <laughs> when you're a climber at the Cluj. Yep. Yeah. I remember doing uh, starting sleep training or uh, training is a strong word, but like at about six weeks with Arabella, I decided that I wanted some more structure and that worked for us. And... I had a book from Tizzy Hall, which I remember a lot of the midwives and nurses really didn't like Tizzy Hall, but um, she had a lot of good points um, and it worked really well, Mm. kind of getting structure and Arabella was really responsive to that method, which I think is the most important thing and that worked for us. So having that in place, I was able to then take over the cliff and use that. yeah, yeah but no, it's constantly changing as well. Yeah. So you think you've got it down pat and then the next day it'll be different <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was really different for Lee and I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Max was a really different baby to, to Arabella and, um, you know, what we expected. But, um, yeah, just super unsettled for his first couple of months. And... Um, would only really sleep if he was in a carrier with me um, and wouldn't sleep in his own little bed. So I'd carry that little bed thing out to the crag and every time I'd try and put him down in it, he'll just scream incessantly. Um, High pitch, needing um, earphones for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Angie Scarth Johnson calling it dinosaur mode. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there was not a lot of climbing going on if <laughs> if he was asleep on me and the carrier so it was almost easier for for Lee to be climbing with someone while I was holding Max while he was sleeping and then when he woke up Lee could then hold him Um, and then that's when I got to climb so it's probably the opposite to to most people that have babies in which when they're sleeping that's when you climb Um, but yeah then when he was awake you know you'd just be a bit unsettled and not very pleasant to be at the crag but that definitely got better kind of by about three or four months. Um, yeah, it got a lot easier to, to take him out to the crag. And I think like Lee and I are just not very routine people. So whether <laughs> whether um, Max has therefore been <laughs> not quite as routine as he could have been because of us or we blame him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we don't know. But we went to Nara quite a lot and we went to um, – the grandpians when he was six months old. So, yeah, he was also not very good in the car. Um, so for the first couple of months of his life, like if we drove from Blackheath to Katoomba, which is like a 10-minute drive, I would always have to stop at Medlow Bath in between, which is a five-minute drive away, <laughs> and feed him and try and resettle him to then put him back in the car because I felt like he was going to scream himself to the stage where he couldn't breathe. But... um. <laughs> Anyway, so to go to the Grampians, um, when he was six months, I flew to Melbourne with Max um, and then Lee drove to Melbourne. Sorry, Lee drove to Melbourne by himself and met us there. And then 
yeah, we just... Then you had to torture yourself through three hours. Then, yeah, yeah we took a long time <laughs> to get to the Grampians. Yeah. And then, I don't know, like two days to drive back <laughs> from the Grampians home. But for us, like, yeah, it, it may seem completely crazy that we put ourselves through that stress because it's really stressful when your baby's screaming in the car. Mm. But for us, it's what we needed to do. And like last winter, we went to Nara a lot, like a dozen times. And yeah, there was a lot of crying in the car, but it's just what Lee and I needed Worth to do. It. Yeah. Yeah. I remember driving up to Coolum Caves in Queensland and um, Arabella would have been quite young then and getting the beta from Karen Ellen. She's like, you express sitting next to them while they're asleep in the car. And it worked really well a couple of times while we were driving because then we didn't have to stop and I didn't have to feed. And because I'd expressed, I could just give, oh, her, give her a bottle of yeah of while we were driving up. Yep. And Arabella was really good yep. in the car, which um, works well if your baby takes a bottle. But um, yeah, and that's a whole other kettle yep, of fish, it took, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, four months for me to get Audrey to take a bottle with breast milk in it so that I could leave it, and then just for any mums that and are going to beat themselves up, she ended up never wanting to drink the hard fought expressed milk out of. A, b- a bottle and she would only have formula out of a bottle and so. and the con and, you know there's always a story to why those things are easy or why yeah. you know it's like sure she took a bottle but that's you know arabella wouldn't feed in hospital and that was a really stressful week for me and i yeah. had to syringe my milk out for a week mm. um and then use nipple shields which were just absolutely friggin' annoying <laughs> so she was kind of used to that um shield and then the dummy and yeah so Everything used to a bottle. Got the yin and the yang there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's interesting for people to know that, you know, like we used to jump in the car and drive to Nara and do a day trip, like that quick three hour trip down or whatever, go climb at Thompson's Point and then come back and you get back late at night. And the same with the Grampians. It's like, okay, we're going to do it in a day. And I remember doing it in convoy with you, you guys at different times. And then you've got a child in the back and you're stopping every two hours because you either have to feed or as they get older, they need to do a wee. Or they thought they needed to do a wee and then they didn't actually need to do a wee, which means that you're going to have to stop in another 40 minutes probably, which makes a 12-hour drive more like 24 hours or 48 hours or something. So deciding to stop overnight for that sort of thing is easier, I think. I think it took Lee and I about three and a half hours to get home from Sydney one night. We decided to go to one of the bouldering competitions in Sydney (laughs) just (laughs) because... We just didn't want to miss out on a fun bouldering competition. And obviously we left quite late and, yeah, we had Max in the car and we were trying to drive back and we were hoping he would fall asleep. Um, he would never take a bottle, so that was just not an option. Um, and so I'd ab- I was able to take him out of the car, settle him, feed him, but then the moment I would try and put him back down in the car, he would wake up and scream. So I remember pulling over, like, near Parramatta, on some side street at like 11 o'clock at night and um, I left Max in the car, in the car seat and I just (laughs) popped my bra down, leaned over him in the car and just fed him while he was still in the car seat. Driving. Well, no, no. Oh. <laughs> so that you didn't have to get him no, out of the we car. We were parked. Oh, we were right. Parked. <laughs> <laughs> we were parked, but it meant that I was like up out of my seat and yeah. like leaning over Max, feeding him so that he could like settle enough so that he'd fall asleep. And so, 
as soon as I stopped feeding, we could drive straight away. So mm-hmm. it just took away the, the process of yes, getting him back into the car seat. <laughs> oh, <God>. And <laughs> yes. I just remember shaking my head thinking, what the hell are you doing? Like, they didn't tell us it was going to be you like doing this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was a really fun bouldering competition. It <laughs> <laughs> was worth it. I know. Yep. It's, yeah, like training for yeah, Tom trying to train for a spot, spot at the Olympic selection, going to the Olympic selection event as a parent like oh my god there's a reason that um yeah it's hard being a parent and climbing at elite level is really hard it's yeah. next level stuff okay so camping with a baby <laughs> everybody camping with a baby so tom and i do not like camping with a baby <laughs> i'm just going to put it out there we love camping i love the sound of the wind on the tent i love the slowness of camping Camping with a child is like having somebody pull my fingernails off while they're dripping hot wax into my eyeballs and having like a really loud Metallica band playing when you have a hangover. That's what it feels like for us. So we tend to stay in a cabin. Uh, The Grandpa's Bouldering Festival, we were camped next to Lee and Andrea. And we thought, we're going to camp, we're going to do it. Ended up being quite cold and very windy, which meant that our child woke up a lot, which meant that none of us slept. And sort of trying to get warm and jump around with just us was fun. With a three and a half or four year old, whatever she was at the time, it was just like torturing somebody as well as yourself. So for us, we love camping, but we have found it to be not as fun with our daughter. How have you guys found it? Yeah. Remy's great. Fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys have van life. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. he, um, I have van yeah, life always, envy. Even when he was silly, you know, he, he always woke up during the night and stuff and like any baby does. But when you're camping, it's just, you're just there. You're in bed together and mm. it all worked. Yeah. And now that he's older, he loves it. Yeah. 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 I can't wait to go camping with Arabella. We haven't done it yet. I oh, yeah. can do it. Yeah, it's fun. I really I look forward to the narrow <laughs> season this year. Yeah, I, yeah. But in saying that, I'll probably go to Calbar and get a nice house. <laughs> 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 no, we're gonna do it. I'm locking everyone in. We're going uh, camping together. together. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I reckon Amanda and Helen are gonna be at the Calbar house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then we're at um, Coolum Caves, and we went up there twice. And it's just so great because their season is like june july which is like the off season for mm. holiday so you get these gorgeous houses we had a spa we had a pool <laughs> <laughs> or you could be in a tent um, which is awesome yeah. or you could be in a tent yeah, <laughs> yeah well, i haven't done it yet I, i'll get back to you <laughs> <laughs> i remember driving in um for the bouldering festival i think was max a baby then had he been born i was 30 ah you were pregnant four weeks pregnant or something yes and i remember it was seven o'clock and we were dry we dropped somebody back at the campground or something and i remember lee coming over to the car and saying what are you guys doing and we're like it's audrey's bedtime we've got to get back to the cabin now and he's sort of like yeah you guys so uptight and um yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's why we have a sleeping <laughs> routine baby <laughs> yeah but have you guys camped with max a lot we've camped with max quite a lot yeah um i mean he doesn't sleep through the night in his own bed so camping's much the same yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> it's no different yeah it's so it's not much different we um 
Like we went to the Grampians when he was six months old and that was in May, I think. Oh, cold. So it was pretty cold. Um, yeah, I remember I think it was the second night and I was looking up the cabins and looking at prices and I was getting really grumpy because I was just, you know, Max's fingers were cold and I was up in the night like every hour or two breastfeeding him. Oh. And like just breastfeeding when you're camping when it's like five degrees overnight just isn't very fun. Um, and then, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're just trying to psych yourself up to climb. Mm. I was like, no, nah, I want a cabin. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, the cost of it and the reality of spending that money um, just meant that we didn't get a cabin. <laughs> Andrea's a um, tight ass. I'm a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> Frugal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think part of me just, like, I really like camping and I really um, – yeah, like making that work if I can. Mm. And, you know, being at Camp Sandy and then being able to walk to Taipan and come back. Yeah, it's just, I really like that. Um, I liked it before having a baby and I still do. So, yeah, I think, I it'll, think if you keep doing it, it's yeah. going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. And most of the time, Max was really good with it. Like, you know, we went to the Horsham Pool a couple of times to give him a wash. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, oh my God, there was one night. There was one morning he did a poo. Anyway, it was like he was just breastfeeding at this time. So it was super messy, super, super messy. And he just had poo like all out his nappy and all up his back <laughs> while we were camping in this tent. Yeah. And it was pouring oh rain outside. And was a little tent too though, wasn't it? It, it was a big tent. No, we'd, big we'd borrowed um, Ben's like big Taj Mahal tent. So um, you could stand up in it. But those big tents, like, they leak in yeah, the rain and they are not very good when it's windy. So we did, on the last night, pay for a motel because <laughs> <laughs> it was pouring rain from, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon and I had had enough. So, yeah, we went to the Horsham Motel. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, heaps of trips at Nara. So, like, over the winter would drive down on a Friday night and get to narrow it at like 11 or 12 depending on how many times we had to stop and um I'll stay in the car with Max and like feed him and hold him while Lee set up the tent and go into the tent and hope that Max would go back to sleep yeah and I think um I think it'd be good for listeners to know like for me Audrey slept in a bassinet next to the bed and then she went into her own cot um you co-sleep yeah 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 we tried the whole cot thing and I ended up in the cot and Max ended up mm. in the bed <laughs> <laughs> and Carly is um Remy always been in his own oh uh, half half yeah yeah still still comes in yeah Audrey will come in there 5 a.m or something yeah yeah and Arabella yeah. sleeps she sleeps in her own room I feel like she's someone you give a bit and she just takes <laughs> a lot so yeah I think we got to a point where uh, Vinny had moved out and was in the spare bedroom and she was just feeding, but she wasn't feeding. She was just suckling and I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And um, put her in her own room and then she's like, oh, I'm just going to sleep through. And that was that. So I'm quite conscious of that. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to break the routine. But then you've got to live a little. But um, yeah, so we she has her own cot. So I guess having that structure in some ways is amazing. But then, yeah. I'm aware of that when we go away places that I want her to have her own room. So, yeah, yeah. it's 
Makes it, I think that's the same for us. It was, yeah, it's sort of that. Um, I think also having Tom work away and then getting to have time together, it sort of changes the dynamic of how you want things to be. Mm. You know, because we wouldn't, we'd have 14 or 15 days apart, you didn't then want to be dealing with a tent and splitting your time and if Audrey wasn't asleep then you didn't get some that downtime together and mm. and we have a dog too as yeah. well so you add a dog and tent and mix it's like well <laughs> so I think we'll jump to going yeah, overseas <laughs> <laughs> so I think um have all of us been on overseas trips with our kids Helen's trip was sabotaged oh yes. I had a gut feeling it was never going to happen yeah <laughs> we were Planned to go to South Africa, bouldering trip. I thought not being in a rope was the best option at this stage of Arabella's life. Because, you know, I think we can safely say that our kids kind of swapped. So maybe Max was a bit um, screamy and Arabella looked at him like, what's wrong with you? And now they kind of swap. Now, now Max uh, is now, super chill and laid so back. Max is so chill and Arabella's like, yeah pretty yeah intense <laughs> um yeah so i always like you know andrea went to font and i was like oh my god how did she do this you know the flight and <laughs> like, and it's funny the flight over so um audrey tom and i all get car sick and travel sick so um i you know over, i'm over prepared over organized i had like 11 changes of clothes or 10 changes of clothes for the flight on the way to fr- um france because um, Tom, Audrey and I went to Seuss on a climbing trip, saint Leger, then Seuss. And by the time we landed in Milan, which is where we flew into, I had one change of clothes for her left. Oh. And because she had vomited on the flight so much, um, don't let them warm up milk on a flight for your toddler. It will make them chunder and that will be all in front of the steps for first class. And take a change of clothes for you. Um, because if they spew, they're going to spew on you as well and you don't want to be sitting in spewy clothes. But then I, I told, packed. I know I told Andrea to pack <laughs> 10 changes of clothes and then she didn't need any of them. I packed like 10 pairs of clothes and change of clothes for me <laughs> and like all this extra stuff, like 20 nappies. Yep. And then my bag was so full that I could hardly do the zip up, which was really annoying. Yeah. Um, and he didn't vomit once. <laughs> I didn't have to change him at all. But Amanda wasn't the only person who gave us that beta. Shannon, Shannon as well, Trinity. because mm. I think they gave their little girl Hazel so much milk mm. on the flight that she couldn't stop peeing. <laughs> and she went through so many clothes. Was that kind of a... And vomiting. And vomiting. Yeah, she's a vomiter Yeah, as well. so we're like, okay, we've got beta <laughs> from two women that, you know, pack lots. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you travelled much? Yeah, we've done two trips to Europe. And the first one, Remy, was like a year and a half. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, I was quite paranoid about it, you know, because you don't want to be that person. With the screaming, the spewing kid. But, yeah. <laughs> but you, you just are going to be at some point. Yeah, yep. but, yeah, he did, he did pretty well and we survived that trip. And, we, we, you know, we didn't do a lot of climbing. Uh, in Font, we did because it was much easier, but rope climbing was definitely harder. Rope climbing seems a bit tricky at that age. Yeah, but then our last trip, which was only last year, we went to France and Spain and we did so much climbing. Mm. But we also went with another couple. Yeah. With a child. Yeah, so that was that was good beta. Mm. Definitely to have. We couldn't have picked a harder place to try and take a kid other than if we tried to go to maybe Patagonia or tried to climb on <laughs> El Cap with her. But like Sayus has nails. An hour walk uphill. Yeah. The grades are really hard. The climbing's kind of scary. And, yeah, and you've got a 20-minute drive that's windy back down to Gap to get shopping. It's not, 
the easiest place and anytime we went in the car at all Audrey would scream I'm gonna spew I'm gonna spew I'm gonna spew so we had to keep pulling over we started at Saint-Léger and um so just just so people know what it can look like when you're trying to climb and achieve stuff we're at this great little cliff we've got a great little sheet it's all cool Audrey's all set up Tom's on an on-site of some 8A 29 um or 28 We've got her set up with her little toys and things she's going to play with. She's right next to me. There's no one else at the cliff. He's um, at the crux. He's getting through the crux. And she says, Mama, I've got a poo. And you're like, oh, shit, how am I going to do this? So then I'm belaying and instructing her how to do a poo by herself, <laughs> which she's never done before at three and a half years old. Like, okay, pants off, pants off. You right, Tom? Yep, you got it. You got it. Is there a rest coming up? Yep. Good job. Yep. Awesome. Good job, honey. Get pants off, socks off, <laughs> nappy off, undies off, whatever she was wearing at the time. Okay, squat down. No feet apart. <laughs> Not near the rope. Yeah, it's um <laughs> so that is that is what it looks like. Tom unsided the route and Audrey did a poo and the, we didn't get put on the rope. But Yay. as a mum, it's like <laughs> That's winning. Yeah. yeah. Winning that I know. It's like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's Lee what and I like. chose to go to Font to go bouldering because, <laughs> like, I think living in the Blue Mountains, you know how hard it is to go sport climbing as a three mm. um, with your child. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So you and your partner and your child, just because they just need looking after. Mm. Um, so we thought, yep, let's go get some nice accommodation and um, you know just go somewhere comfortable with short walk-ins and. Um, bouldering, so even if someone is climbing, the other person is looking after the kid. Mm. Um, and there's a sand pit for the child to yeah, play in. Yeah, it's we did go in November and it rained a lot oh, and it was really cold, yeah. so we probably wouldn't do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can highly, highly recommend going to Font with the yeah, it's super fun with the kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you bump into so many other people. Yeah. Climbing with kids, yeah. Not many in November in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> but I think places that there's, I mean, there's lots of places like Spain and I think even Gorgetown is that easier to take kids. Saint-Léger is an easy Gorgetown place to take kids. was a little bit trickier. Like um, a lot of the, the climbs are like up a little bit. Mm. So it wasn't super kid-friendly. Um, but Margalef in Spain, that was super easy. Yeah, it's like narrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think easy. I think for us, like Tom and I, I mean, I think for all of us, we started climbing with our partners, and that's something I really, really love. Like he's my favourite person to climb with, aside from when we bicker with each other. But you know, we try not to do that too much. Lee and I never bicker. <laughs> no, I've never seen any of you guys bicker. Um, but the way that we make it work is Tom has his climbing day on a Saturday. I have my climbing day on a Sunday because. I, neither of us can go to the cliffs we want to with Audrey. You can't go into Elphinstone very easily. I'm sure I saw Lee sizing up some harnesses and he may try and take Max down to Elphinstone. But, you know, they're just cliffs that you've got to abseil into. They've got a Via Ferrata out. The landings, the cliff edge is sketchy. And for me, I would spend the whole time so stressed about what Audrey was doing that I wouldn't be able to climb. And at the other cliffs, I find lots of people have dogs now. So if I'm not on the ground with her and Tom's not there, then, you know, there's so many dogs off lead and she's little so they look like massive horses or camels to her and she doesn't mind dogs but they're just massive. So I find that a bit full on to deal with with her and I can't, I just can't concentrate to Red Point when 
she's on the ground. She wanted to belay me on um, August 1914 at Centennial Glen, which has got a really, like, you don't want to fall on your belayer really <laughs> at one point. You need a belayer that's on the ball. And she was three and a half and wanted to belay me on it. So Tom and I alternate days and then we have a day where someone looks after her or when she's at school and we get to go climbing together on that day and then we try and make it work around that. How have you found it, Andrea? Um... I mean, obviously, if you're trying to go to Nara, like you just you don't want to go away for the weekend without your partner. No, you, you just do that together. Yeah, you know, you yeah, like during the week you're doing your work stuff. Um, but yeah, we went to Nara a lot and with Max, and then you're just kind of hoping that there's going to be other people around. So you kind of um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just need to be a lot more organised. Like I think previously, Lee and I could just organize our climbing days and be really simple but now you've got to try and find other people that have their own schedules and their own agendas of what they want to climb um so that was a little bit tricky and that's been quite um probably the hardest thing in terms of trying to find climbing consistency is finding other people that you can climb with that have the same like life schedule and are happy to look after Mm. your kid or happy to belay you or climb in a three yeah or just you know not be like on a strict of a time schedule, like I just don't have the freedom to go out for eight hours mm, yeah. to the crag. Like it, you know, early on it was kind of four hours between feeds or naps or whatever. Um, n- now it's a lot easier now that Max is 18 months old. But um, yeah, back then it was a bit harder. But um, yeah, like it's it's not easy. Like I remember trying to um, do Dungeon Master like last now season, which is like a yeah, a grade 31 at South Central. And um, like we'd been there like I had like 10 days or something on it and it was coming to the end of the year and it was getting warm and we were about to go to Font and um, I got really sick. Like Max got some horrendous cold and he gave that to me. And so I managed to get Ben's daughter <laughs> who's 14 and um, super keen on climbing and I was like, do you want to come to Nara with us? <laughs> <laughs> and she's quite a good belayer. And she's a very good belayer. And um, and so she brought her friend from school who's also a keen climber. But, you know, she's hardly been outdoors. And, um, yeah, so we, we took them out and we took them to um, to Point Perp one day and hung out at um, Honeymoon Bay and went camping there. And um, I went to the pharmacy to try and get some drugs to make my nose stop running and because I was breastfeeding, they said, you can't have anything. You can just have some vitamins. <laughs> and so I took those. And, um, yeah, I remember Lee was walking around trying to get Max to sleep. And Myla was belaying me, which was just, yeah, you're just a little bit nervous when I suppose you, you've got someone belaying that you're not as comfortable belaying you. And, um, yeah, I sent the route and I remember screaming like in effort because it was so hard and I was so pumped and um, waking Max up and he started crying and <laughs> yeah but it was awesome. <laughs> yeah I yeah. think that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I don't think I could do that yeah that you can I think it's awesome that you can find that headspace and that you can do it. It's amazing. Yeah I think yeah. Um, like you just know how like logistically hard it is to yeah, you've got to get this moment done. on the rope right <laughs> you now. You made it happen. Yeah. You have to cool. yeah. Yeah. send it. Did you guys Easy. find other people to go down with you or did you have your um, the other two girls? Um, Nina and Talia? No, nah, they, they, they were old enough to 
be like, oh, I don't want to go to the crag anymore. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, yeah, we just kind of made it work. I suppose if we only got one route in, then that's all we did. Um, definitely, I think a couple of times, a lot of the time we had people we met up with, kind of Wollongong crew and to climb with. So, yeah, it so definitely yes, helps, no. you know, yeah. if you've got someone else to climb with and you know rob and i have always climbed together so mm. we never kind of have broken that yeah we, we just trust each other i think that's something tom and i found hard and also they're just like um when i had a baby up here they weren't i was in no man's land all the other mums had older kids or other people didn't have kids yet and so i found it really tricky i felt like the um yeah i felt a little bit like uh, I should be staying at home and not imposing my child on people at the cliff. Like now there's, you know, I went climbing with um, Annie and Lou and Helen today and Annie is, Lou's got a little baby. I think she's six months old. Nine months. Nine months old. Said. And Lou, um, Annie's got a little bit more time for climbing. She doesn't have kids. And so she was really happy ev- on Wednesdays to try and get Lou out and help Lou. And I know Karen helps um, another climber up here. Cat Rollins get out as much as she can um, amongst her sort of mum schedule and I think having uh, a group of girls or some support around you like that I mean there's you know the boys have always got people they can go climbing with but I think for us finding people that you can go I've got school hours 9.05 until 2.45 I want to go here and try this is that okay and yeah, yeah I definitely found it happen. easier to rely not rely I found it easier to go out with people without Arabella now and um, to have my people and to go climbing. Um, I don't like relying on climbing with other people and having Arabella and Vinny. I just prefer not to, I'd like to keep them separate now. It's um, It doesn't work that well. Arabella just loses her shit basically. So yeah. yeah, I think they go through phases. Like now Audrey's pretty good at going to the cliff. However, on Mother's Day I went climbing with Andrea and um, Helen and I uh, said to... Um, I had said to Audrey earlier in the week, I think on Mother's Day, and she said, don't tell me. You're going to make us go climbing with you. I was like, oh, my God, she's <laughs> just turned six and I've got attitude. Yeah. And then I went to go climbing and she's like, I want to come with you. Why can't I come climbing with you? And you're like, because you told me you didn't want to come climbing with me. Yeah. Because they get to this age where they think that it's going to be boring, but then when they're there, they think it's amazing. So We're the most fun ever. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And at Sayus, um, when she was three and a half, <laughs> I remember all these like – there were all these Italians and Spanish people in the car park and we looked like the parents that were shoving our child into a carrier. We didn't take a baby carrier with us and we ended up buying one um, when we were there so that we could carry her up to the cliff and we'd carry her halfway up. We'd wedge her in there, give her the iPhone so that we could get her to stay in there. She'd cry for about five minutes and then she'd love it. But um, we looked like we were torturing our child for the first bit, making her go to a climbing area. Mm. But she loved it. She had a ball when she was up there. She's in nature the whole time. She made fairy gardens and things. Oh, with I different can't climbers. wait for that when they can do that. Like just make mud Maybe just houses. Don't, don't, don't choose Sayus as the place to do it. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had um, j- just still on the topic of, you know, being at the crag with your partner and kid. Like I think as the, I don't know if it's still a gender thing. I'm sure people don't do it intentionally, but. There's just been a few times where the guy would be like, like if there was another person at the crag um, and they'll say to Lee, oh, 
do you want a belay? Yes. I had the same thing. And then I wouldn't get that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They'll be like, oh, she's okay looking after the baby. No, she's just, yeah, just kind of assuming that I was there to hang out with the baby. I'm like, no, I want to be trying to climb right now. Yeah, (laughs) facilitate me. Um, So, yeah, I think, yeah, try and find those people that that get you and understand that you want to climb as well. Mm. (laughs) I think it's super important. Yeah. I think it's much easier. It's getting easier and easier. There's more women climbing. People are more psyched. There's more babies at the cliff. Um, I think there's more climbers like Beth Rodden, for example, that are talking about it. Um, so I think it makes it a little bit more aware for people. Um, how about training with your child? Because on Instagram, I know that, um, you know, Andrew and I will put up pictures of like, um, you know, there'll be a cute picture of Audrey doing the tear straps while I'm on the fingerboard. Um, and there'll be like a cute picture of Max and Andrea and she might be doing a pull-up with him. But the reality of that can be, mom, 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 mom. Yep. And you're like, I'm just trying to get these hangs done <laughs> while you run out in between hangs to get their mashed potato mashed because you're trying to squeeze in a fingerboard session between finishing work and them going to bed. Yep. Sounds <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely um – yeah, you gotta ha- you gotta be prepared and have the snacks down there ready to go and TV on and okay, I'm gonna have a quick hangboard session. Yeah, yeah. Or at the um, I don't know at the gym, you know, you got some toys set up and. Remy has a pretty good office at the gym. Yeah, mm. yeah. With some really good toys. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Max was pretty psyched about that the yeah. last time we were there. The communal, communal yeah. toys. Yeah, there's a pretty good crew at Villawood that um, go there and train with mm. a few kids and stuff. So yeah, cool. yeah. So training, I think, if you've got a, a gym that you go to, like if you go and there's other kids, that helps because they can play with each other. Yeah, if and yeah, definitely that Remy's older now too, and you'd find that as well. Yeah, with Audrey. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely gets easier the more they can amuse themselves. And On our home wall, Audrey wants to fight for space. She's like, it's my turn, Dad. Get off the wall. Uh-huh. It's like, Audrey, it's really important that Daddy gets these laps in at the moment. Yeah, but I nearly did my problem. I want to get on. <laughs> and then I think <laughs> Tom will get frustrated and go, ah, when he falls off. And she's been picking up on that <laughs> and then mimicking that frustration. <laughs> like no tom you need to not yell just be really peaceful when you fall off <laughs> max does that when he's pretending to climb he'll go eh, ah, ah. and then he falls off and then lies down and rolls around on the ground <laughs> <laughs> my friend's yeah. baby started saying the f-bomb because i think their partner says a lot bolder <laughs> and she says it all the time <laughs> and I'm, like, oh. I'm so scared of that because the other day i fell off at the gym on the moon board and i like took my shoe off and i'm like Oh, you didn't hear. That's good. <laughs> oh, Audrey just tells us now that was a bad word. Yeah. You shouldn't say that word. <laughs> you're like, I'm glad you're going to tell us that at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. So, any tips for training with kids? Um, Helen and I have had some pretty good bouldering sessions together. So, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, we'll we'll go like bouldering at Camp Street and got good memories. Yeah, if on. we've got. Um, Max and Arabella, so that works pretty well because you don't have to belay each other. Like, obviously, you're not. We've got our system. I think that works really well. Yeah. yeah. Like we both are really 
love climbing and so we get it you know like andrea will do two problems this is generally and then i'll watch the babies and then we tag team and then you'll do your two problems yeah and we're just mm. kind of watching out for each other and watching how the kids are going and and you know that you're watching each other's kids in the way that yeah, each other really and bouldering is definitely way easier yeah. 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 yeah whereas i remember doing that with my partner Vinny earlier on and then he'd do a couple more and i'd be like hello hello over you've in done the back. four problems yeah. now yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but i don't know yeah that sometimes your your girlfriends can be easier with that stuff they just like yeah we just had a really yeah. nice momentum like yeah. yeah one of us will be minding the kids the other one's climbing and then you kind of switch over and then you kind of um go yep i just did this one it's your turn to do that one and then do another one i think being um, efficient when you're doing it there's mm. not as much time to chin wag and just drag a session out for three hours because mm. you've got a window taking snacks i was about to say snacks oh my god i can't snacks. tell you how many snacks, times yeah. tom and i would have shown up to, like for the early days like when audrey was eating food and getting to the gym and or i'd meet them there because i would have been at work earlier or something and she'd say i'm hungry and i'd say to tom where are the snacks i didn't pack any i thought we'd be done by now it's like dude it's ne- we're always later than you think so always take snacks always even if food. they food. have just eaten yep mm. always take snacks toys so i'd take always take drawing stuff for audrey we've got her own little training bag and we've got just some of those magnetic things that go together some puzzles drawing stuff yeah i always look at what you guys bring and i'm like oh cool yeah i'll try and do that uh and now having arabella a little bit older pre-covid um (laughs) yeah like going to another gym in blackheath uh i can't boulder with arabella anymore there like she just gets separation anxiety and she's just it's too intense um i reckon i probably we haven't had a boulder for a while andrea but like yeah we could do it probably with the kids i think they'd amuse each other and again like they're quite comfortable with each of us Mm, we did at my house the other day we did too Mm, yeah Yeah. did remy ever go through stages where it was tricky or he was always just pretty chilled out and you had a big enough gym that and yeah i think yeah well yeah you always have those tricky periods Definitely in kind of tag team between Rob and I mm. and bouldering is definitely easier. And I think um, designing Rob and I are pretty good at like just coming up with these like mini workouts. Mm. So you might only just train for 20 minutes. Mm. You know, you might have a hangboard or some strength exercises. Having a good weight set up, I think it's important to have at home. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of weights and... And then, you know, if, if you do get to the gym, you just get in there, get it done. Mm. And, and mm, knowing that you some occasionally you're going to have to walk away from a session. Yeah, Like definitely. the session just doesn't happen. Your child loses it. Um, you try, Every time you try and pull on, they want you. They fall over and you know, bump their knee mm. or something. And yeah, you can try as hard as you like. It's just not going to happen that day. Yeah, but that's okay because come back tomorrow and yeah. try again. Yeah. yeah. Lisa's recently done a training plan for me like I mean you think after climbing for almost 20 years and <laughs> being an exercise physiologist you could write your own plan no it's much nicer having someone it's just not possible <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah just after inju- injuring my finger like three times recently he's like you've got to actually warm up properly and you need to have a structured session you can't just go in and rush your warm up and think that you're at the same space that or like at the same level as you were three months ago when you were training consistently. Um, so I think having those bite-sized training plans, like Carly was saying, is super important. And I think like 
it's hard when you're not a routine person, but if you can somehow keep track of your consistency mm-hmm. because it's so easy like to think, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm, I can do whatever I want. It's, um, it's just not really the case. And um, so, yeah, having those plans and following them is super important. Yeah. Um, and having the mini version of the plan. So if you've got, I mean, Lee's um, got like an hour, a good hour long fingerboard session, for example, from start to finish, warm up to mm, end. Yeah. And knowing where you can cut a corner in that so that you still are getting most of the session done. Yeah. Or being able to, yeah, know how you can split it in half. So you can do half in the morning and then if Max loses it, you can do the other half, like when he's asleep yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, yes, really I good. like to have... A, a plan like for the week what workouts I'd like to do but I don't oh, wow. assign them to days mm. I just take them as they as they come I'm like yeah. oh yeah I can tick that off I did that That's because awesome. then if you put it to a day and it doesn't happen you're like oh you know you, you feel really bad that you didn't yeah. get to do that workout but if you just have a list of stuff that you need to do mm. within that time what does a typical week look like for you workouts like are you talking like a fingerboard a boulder a run or like ab workout or yeah yeah so a couple of hangboard sessions yeah so i might just have like hangboard times two um moonboard times two laps something like that strength exercise no, there's no running in there <laughs> <laughs> we've seen you running sometimes <laughs> on yeah. instagram yeah. we'll get you over that's there. just yeah. for instagram <laughs> um you just put your shoes in the grass and take a photo yeah that's right <laughs> just get the photo but yeah i just just have like a little list of what you want to achieve and then you know but not actually assign it to yeah, that's cool a plan <laughs> that's a really yeah it's a really nice way of doing it i think for me if i don't have it allocated to a day it's not going to happen it's just there's too many I think running the type of business I have and Tom's work being um it's you know not a non-quantity it's just um if I don't know like last year it was um always Sunday climb fingerboard Tuesday climb fingerboard strength session both those days yeah I think there's some of that in there there's like you know one day we're doing this especially if you know we're doing it together with Rob yeah um, but then the other little stuff, you know, you might just be like, oh, I've got 20 minutes, I'm going to do my hangout yeah, session. Yeah. Or my I need that out. flexibility. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise if I get if I'm meant to do that session on Monday and if I get to Monday and if I'm really tired for whatever reason and I don't do it, it just feels like a total fail. Yeah, then mm. it's that's right. That Whereas if to, I yeah. know if I can do it on Tuesday, I'm like, that's fine. Just give yourself a break for the Monday. Yep. Mm. Just do it tomorrow. Mm. I find that a lot better for me. Yeah. Do you think that's like mm. a part of being a mum a little bit, the kind of letting go and being kind to yourself as well? I kind of struggled with that. Um, I'd get anxious because I couldn't control how things would play out sometimes. You're like, I want to complete this task. And then Arabella would be like, nah, I got other ideas. <laughs> yeah. And I think. Yeah, know, I think we've definitely learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. From just our children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, before kids, you were definitely like finished every task. (laughs) (laughs) I think also, you know, I I took that a bit to heart Um, in the first couple of years of being a mum. Everyone said, you need to let go. You need to be kind to yourself. And for for some people, being kind to yourself is saying, I just need a couple of weeks off. You know, I just don't 
I don't want to have to think about training. And for me, being kind to myself was giving myself permission to take it seriously enough to want to, you know, have that list of training sessions I wanted to get done. Mm. So certainly going, oh, my God, I got no sleep last night. I'm not going to try and just drink coffee to get training done today. Not like that, but just I think giving myself permission to take climbing seriously and want to train and that being okay was being kind to myself as well. Mm. So that leads into your balancing your climbing dreams and goals as a parent. Like um, I think it's a room full of pretty ambitious climbing girls. Um, I think the thing that surprised me about becoming a parent was that uh, I thought some switch was going to happen in my head and that something was going to change, but it just didn't. (laughs) I still love climbing as much. I still want to climb as hard. Actually, I probably want to climb harder. I still like competing. Uh, I still like the feel of doing hard moves and I still love going overseas on climbing trips and now I've got a little person that I get to show all that stuff to. So I don't think... I think the way I have to approach my goals and dreams has had to change and my desire to be an amazing parent to Audrey is like my number one priority but that climbing drive is still pretty strong. Would you say it's the same for you guys? Oh, definitely, yeah. The, the the goals are still there. They might have, you know, they're just a little bit harder to achieve, I think, you know, yeah. when you've got a couple of people involved. But you've still got to have dreams there and climbing for all of us is, is our passion. It's never going to change, mm. I don't think. So you've got to keep chipping away at it and getting there. But and definitely got a happy little face, hopefully a happy little face, with cute little hands and stuff to come home and give you a great big cuddle and tell you they love you yeah. <laughs> when you've fallen off your project six times that day. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What about you, Helen? Mm, goals, yeah. I get a lot of happiness. Like I went to Tarana yesterday and I'm quite happy to just hang out. Um, I find it hard to go in between being a mum sometimes and climbing and doing the same. So I reckon as far as goals go, I get a lot of enjoyment from watching Arabella have a really good day in the bush. Um, And that makes me feel quite content. Um, I've still got the same goals. Uh, I get so much satisfaction out of sport climbing and bouldering and I get psyched. That hasn't changed. Mm. Yeah, you still want to do the routes you want to do. Yeah. and get down and tick that project off. I see I see that spark. Oh, yeah. Go up. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> chum, I chum, fell chum, off chum. the last move. <laughs> yeah. yeah, froth, froth. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea? Yeah, definitely still have lots of big climbing goals. Um, I mean, I always thought, like, before having a kid, I'd still be a climber and have those climbing goals after having a baby. Um, yeah, I suppose... Just in the last two years, it's just about trying to maintain that perspective about being kind to myself. Mm. And um, I think I can put a lot of pressure on myself and kind of beat myself up if I'm not performing or feeling how I want to feel. So, like I know there was the, was it Nationals at Villawood, like lead Nationals? a few months ago and um yeah I'd hurt my finger and I wasn't training Max had hand foot and mouth (laughs) (laughs) I had not slept 
for ages and yeah I just didn't feel very good physically and there was a lot of pressure on myself to compete I felt like I should because it's just usually what I do and it just it felt like a cop-out not to compete but I knew that if I had have registered and competed and not performed how I wanted to perform that would have frustrated me even more and it's just frustrating I suppose as a mum knowing that I want to be a certain level or perform a certain way and that I'm not because it's something that's out of my control um but you just kind of have to be kind to yourself about that because we've all chosen to to have a baby and um yeah that person just needs you more than competing that day and I think if you can just choose your battles I think that's going to be a lot healthier for everyone um so you know choosing a battle like trying to do dungeon master um was something that I feel like was really satisfying for the winter and really helped um keep my mood up and my motivation and keep things moving along and and Max loved being there um but yeah something like going into that competition it just wasn't wasn't worth it so yeah I think the goals are there like obviously not Yosemite next year or not Seuss next year <laughs> but maybe like um New Zealand bouldering yeah, yeah. going bouldering <laughs> in New Zealand or like <laughs> going back to font and cool like of bouldering Nava. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just shifting those goals and and I, I love climbing and and I love climbing in lots of different places. It doesn't have to look a particular way. So I think, yeah, just trying to find something that suits our family is mm. what's going to work. Yeah, and That's I think true. finding the mini challenges in the day, like spending Mother's Day trying to do 10 climbs that weren't the hardest things in the world was a pretty fun way to spend the day mm-hmm. and it got to tick yeah. the challenge box and mm. and the soreness box at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, and I got to pretend that I was on the top of El Cap yeah. trying to get to the top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how we ended up climbing in the dark. <laughs> so before before we get into clothing, um, <laughs> a question um, a question that someone asked today was if you could tell your pre-baby self something, what would it be? Don't eat too much Milo during pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Come back to me. That's not serious. <laughs> but it is serious. <laughs> uh, the story with that is that it turned out that I'm a dietitian and Helen was talking to me about her food. and I put on 20 kilos during pregnancy. Yeah, she put on quite a bit of weight during pregnancy and um, was set to sort of – she was trending towards potentially a bit more than that. Which is fine, fine. Trending. I like how you say that. You're getting fatty, fatty. <laughs> well, people put on different things. But, you know, you've got your guidelines for what is um, a healthy amount of weight to put on. And That's right. Um, and Helen was so sick. I don't care. Give me the Milo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Helen, uh, I made her a Milo at my house and I put two heaped teaspoons in and she said, where's the Milo? And I said, here's a glass, show me how much Milo you've been putting in. And she filled a 300ml glass to halfway with Milo. (laughs) (laughs) She's like two teaspoons. It was like a milk drink. (laughs) There's no Milo in that. (laughs) So (laughs) Ellen wanted Milo with a splash of milk. (laughs) Okay, what was the question again? (laughs) (laughs) What would you tell your pre-parent self? 
it's tricky. Yeah. Pre-parents' health. You're going to love them more than you can ever oh. imagine. I always thought that because that's they, what everyone says. They yeah. say oh, really? They everyone do. says you'll love them to more yeah. than anything. Yeah. And, more than your partner. And I do. Yeah, and I knew it would be hard because everyone says it's hard. Mm. <laughs> and it was. It is hard. <laughs> Um, I thought it would be easier at six. Audrey's six now. Uh, and I thought everyone told me it was hard in the first year and that it gets easier as they get older. It doesn't. <laughs> mm. I still love her just as much. And I, yeah, I think she's amazing. Wouldn't trade it at all. If I could tell myself, my pre-parent self something, it would not be don't do this. It would be do it. I'd probably go on one more overseas trip before I got pregnant because mm. Tom and I didn't have the chance to have an overseas trip before we had Audrey. But it was pretty fun cleaning up her vomit on the aeroplane. <laughs> no, it was pretty fun going away with her. Um, yeah. I don't know what else I'd tell myself. I reckon I'd probably yet be anxious, maybe like more so when, I, when she was younger. Yeah. I'd take just let go a bit more. Yeah. And take the opportunities. I would say, you know, any of those days where you're like, ah, I could go climbing tomorrow. The wind's blowing in a slightly different direction to what I anticipated today. I would tell my pre-climbing, pre-parent self, get your ass out the door and go climbing now because it's much easier before you have a little person that you're trying to organise to get out. Anything you'd tell your pre-parent self, Carly? Um. Yeah, just just what you guys have said, you know, just get out and do it. And but it's pretty well what we did anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Exactly. I feel like it's yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, it's much the same. Yeah, it is. You kind of it is hard, like, and people do tell you that, and you. But there was this little voice in my head thinking, "Oh, it can't be that bad." <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. but. You know, I did have a little bit of like, I'll be right. But yeah, it is hard. Those first few months of no sleep. All consuming. And yeah. Yeah. I remember this day, actually, Andrew and I were hanging out at my place and we're like, oh, let's go for a walk. How long did it take us to get <laughs> out of the house? We didn't get out for we a walk. It was, we didn't. It'd be like, okay, I, I've fed and changed Arabella or something. And then we'll be like, oh, no, someone's done a poo and... <laughs> Yeah, I guess that. Like, I don't know why it was so hard to get out the door. We didn't get out the door. Because it just is. You have like mm. the first bit where they just sleep a bit and feed and like you, you go, oh, right, okay, this is what they say about not sleeping. And then there's this period like of a couple of months where as soon as you go to leave the house, something happens or they scream and you're like, how do you ever leave the house? There's all those people smiling in cafes, breastfeeding their kids. I can't leave the house without us screaming. And then that bit ends. I think if you could tell your pre-parent self something, it would be that the hard bits end and it doesn't stay the same. Because even for how Max was, like you were talking about the eat, play, sleep, whatever routine, and I followed that religiously, but, you know, (laughs) I would play and then put Max in the carrier and then he would go to sleep. But um, I just don't think it would be any different if I try it again like he just was how he is and yeah I, he's just not the kind of baby that you can put in a cotton 
put to sleep. I think they just do what they do. I know. I think that's the thing is you can have all the plans and everything. I think it's you go with the type of person you are. For me, more information was better. It gave me comfort in knowing and planning. But knowing that the person that you are growing in your tummy is an individual that has their own thoughts and feelings and they're going to make their opinion known as soon as they're able to. Would you say that's fair? <laughs> yeah, and if, if you have another child, it could be totally different. Totally. People yeah. have more than one. Why would yeah. they do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why. But <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole discussion now, isn't it? It's Where like, can you imagine? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> more than one. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, everyone's different. Yeah. <laughs> Someone sent in a question just quickly that I think we should answer. Uh, maternity outdoor gear. I don't think that such a thing exists. Just wear your husband's. Yeah. Mm. It's clothes. punishment for them. We have to grow the baby. Their clothes need to get stretched as well. Mm. Lululemon. Or you have a friend that's Maybe ahead in pregnancy much. by <clears> seven <throat> weeks. Yeah. And a lot taller than you. <laughs> yeah. So you get her hand-me-downs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of my pants. Yeah. So stuff. the E9 pants actually oh, yeah. are quite good pregnancy oh, pants. That's true. Oh, that's true. Stretchy yeah, top. Stretchy. Mm. You do not want anything firm on your tummy. Yeah. The E9 that. have that nice soft fabric belly bit. If you wore the glass, that sit ones really too, high. Be pretty mm. comfy. Yeah. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah. Weren't they? And just to fleece the next size up. Yeah. So Men's I just fleece. Yeah. Wore one size up. A big mm. momo. In. <laughs> If I wanted to buy something for myself, it was just one size up. I was pregnant like <coughs> late, late when I was big through summer. Ooh. So I just wore a few dresses. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Which was pretty weird. But I lived in <laughs> leggings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. I just went one size up in leggings and Lee's clothes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I had the Mad Rock full body harness. Which makes you feel like a beached whale when you're getting lowered <laughs> down from a cliff. But, um, yeah, they're pretty I, good. I remember, like, I was all obsessed with, like, oh, I need a full body harness with gear loops, blah, 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 for all the gear you're going to be putting on the loops. <laughs> like, get over yourself. Come on. Yeah. You're going to be top roping. Yeah. yeah. You don't need gear loops. Let's just say that. From some of the girls that climb at the gym while pregnant, the Mad Rock one, but also I think there's a Petzl one. Mm. Yeah. And they were saying that's a little bit better. Was that more comfortable? Do we? Who had the Mad Rock and who had the Petzl? I had a Mad Rock, but I the never Mad Rock the was like really in your face. The, the yeah, and the, it was the not bro- ideal. Yeah, the Petzl one sat a little bit. I had lower. the Petzl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think yours was more comfortable than the Mad Rock one. Oh, oh. There you go. Maybe. And then after Maybe. having the baby, no. I went a size up in a harness for a few months. And then went back to my normal size harness after that. And my feet got fatter. Oh, yeah, feet. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really wear mm. super tight shoes no. anymore. I, I remember some uh, Warwick Luck and a climber in the Blue Mountains saying, ah, I just don't like my shoes too tight anymore. You know, I'm just a bit older. And, and I thought, huh, I'm never going to wear untight shoes. <laughs> and then I got pregnant, my feet got fat. And now I hate my shoes super tight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's because of pregnancy. It's nothing to do with age. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other tips about clothes and climbing gear with pregnancy? I took a porticot to the cliff. Um, so I used to fill in Ted's little nest kind of set up bassinet at first, which was amazing. It was like a yeah, big had a little mosquito net. It was yep. great for Nara. Yeah, until they grew out of it. Yeah, really. Stop the mosquitoes getting them. 
Yeah, bringing it into the cliff. It was like another, like this big side tennis racket panel. Not the yeah. best. Um, and then I used a setup portacot, which worked really well. Um, definitely annoying to set up. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really good. There was a good couple of months there. And then I just put lots of sarongi type things and quick draws so it was dark. Uh, and now... We yeah. took a baby bouncer to the cliff, so one of those oh, yeah. metal frame ones. Yeah. Um, just stick it over the top of your pack. It was great because then someone didn't have to hold the baby. I mean, it. you know, I think if your baby likes to be held all the time, then that's pointless. But mm. for us, Audrey preferred to have her own space in that way. So you could sit mm. her there. She good, could talk. Good backpack is good. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. We have like and a mat pack yeah, carrier. Yeah, pack carriers are pretty one, good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not too expensive. We had a little life. Little life? Little life one, yeah. We had a Deuter one, I think. Yeah. And when we walked up to Seuss, we evened up the weight. So Tom had the 18 kilos of Audrey plus four kilos of our lunch in the bottom of it. And then I had all our gear that we didn't leave stashed at the cliff in my pack and all of our water. So it was, yeah, 22 kilos each every time we walked up there. <laughs> Whoa. Totally Black Diamond that. make that um, <laughs> duffel suitcase. Yeah. I really can't remember what it's called right now. But, um, yeah, it ends up being like a big sausage type thing and you unroll it and it's like a mat. So Max used to sleep on that. So um, I think Lee Cooch's got one he takes to the cliff all the time. It's like a little boulder pad almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like a little mini pad. bouldering yeah. pad. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's amazing for storing heaps of stuff in it. But um, when Max would nap, would wrap him up in my down jacket and put him on that. And this was before he could roll and crawl because mm. um, after that they can slide out of it. But, um, mm. yeah, they're, they're super handy because then you don't have to sit like set up all the – sticks of the portacot and oh. whatnot yeah, um and it's pretty comfy to carry so yeah so mm. when we went to bungonia we had like max and the macpack carrier thing and then i had one of those in which you can carry like heaps of yeah. heaps of stuff yeah um interest- interestingly like arabella's what 20 months and the other day i forgot to take the carrier the macpack carrier to tarana and a friend had her baby bjorn carrier and I'd forgot from a while ago, but what we used to do is there'd be a, a period where you didn't want to feed them at the cliff um, to put them to sleep. So I would you'd put them in the baby Bjorn carrier and they'd fall asleep and then you'd transition them into the cot or boulder pad or something. And she did that yesterday, which was really good because I was thinking, oh, gee, how am I going to get her to sleep? We're out here. And I just put her on my back and she fell asleep in the baby Bjorn, which meant she had a sleep and meant we could stay out, which was great. Yeah. 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 Anything else anyone wants to say? If you can breastfeed on the plane, um, I've been told that that's really good for the baby's ears. Mm. Um, Yeah, so that's what Mm. I did when we went to France and when we flew to Melbourne, just breastfeed them on takeoff and landing. And Audrey was three Or give them a bottle if they take a bottle. Yeah, or give them snacks. So Audrey's a bit of a fussy eater. (laughs) So she was never going to eat plane food which is an absolute pain in the butt. And, yes, I'm a dietitian, so I know how to have her not be fussy, but I don't like plain food that much, so mm. I can't blame her. So we took, like, things that she could chew on takeoff and landing, like made pesto pasta, took boxes of cruskets and then found great similar idea. foods over there. We took peanut butter on the plane. That was great, yeah. a jar of peanut mm. butter. 
Mm. And squeezy Vegemite, things like yeah, that. Yeah, we took Vegemite to Europe last time. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, yeah, I'd take that for sure yeah. if, I, if I ever went overseas. Lots of Vegemite uh, toast. <laughs> yeah, when we can go overseas again. Uh, pelvic floor, going back to that stuff, something I was going to mention earlier with injury. And I found this really interesting because I thought, oh, I don't want my vagina to fall out. So um, <laughs> can I say that? <laughs> you can say whatever uh, you want. Yeah, I just was really aware afterwards <laughs> that I wanted to have a good pelvic floor, but I didn't really know what that entailed. And then with that <laughs> electric shock stuff happening, I was like, oh, God, you know. She doesn't mean electric shock therapy. She means <laughs> the pubic <laughs> the pubic. <laughs> yeah, the pubic symptoms, like the pain yeah. from climbing on steep stuff. I was like, oh, I'd heard a couple of the women in Blackheath went to see a female um, specialist, a physio, um, and so she, that she would do an internal, which was really interesting. So I went and got an internal um, of your vagina, which was really interesting. And they, they test like you. What must, do they do? What's the Can best you way? I was trying to me. say that nicely, but it just <laughs> came they, out so really they, badly. They, <laughs> Can you just matter. delete that? No, I'm not going to delete it. <laughs> I, I think it's really – It was really interesting because I had a friend – who for a lot of reasons had really really tight hips and um so she got that done (laughs) everyone's looking quite awkward right now (laughs) um and it was really interesting so she did this internal i'm like oh god and so they stick their finger inside yeah and they test your muscles or something yeah you clench she's like clench relax clench relax and they kind of move around and they test and she's like, oh, that your left side's stronger than your right side. And then that can to do with tightness and all that. And they test um, – help me out here, people. Um, they kind of like – they're like, yep, she, whatever that body part is, is sitting in a good spot. <laughs> Andrea, which body part is she I don't know. Like healthy floor? Yeah, if you're at risk of like um, – Prolapse. Prolapse. So she was able to tell me, oh, yeah, that's in a good spot. And, um, yeah, it's not too low. Um, so so your vagina me. was not going to fall out. Yeah, not going to fall out. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then I had – I think I got a Pilates program from that chick and then I went twice to do this Pilates stuff and then I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a thought that counts. <laughs> no, but, but it you was found it helpful. So is it, is it cured? it's cured (laughs) (laughs) no i just found it really interesting um yeah yeah because to make sure everything was okay did either of you have a internal pelvic examination and i i think i said told andrew you should get one it's really interesting (laughs) (laughs) just do it for fun (laughs) (laughs) so it is really common to have pelvic floor problems and prolapses um in women so whether they've had a baby or not um but (laughs) a lot more common if you have a baby just because of the weight that's on your pelvic floor um so i did see a a women's health physiotherapist so like there's people that are trained in physiotherapy but then they have to do further education to do women's health stuff um or or you can do men's health um because they still have incontinence problems, but um, specifically for women's health. So when I was pregnant, just I thought because of my background, I should know what I should do. Um, And I just didn't want to have problems of prolapses later on. Mm -hmm. So I went and saw a women's health physio. She didn't do an internal because she didn't feel like she needed to. Um, So she just went through a few cues on how to make sure I was using my pelvic floor correctly. Mm. Um, And then she said after I have my baby to come back and just make sure 
things were working as they should. Um, and then she was said, she said at that time she would do an internal just to see if I could contract my and that, pelvic floor yeah, correctly. Yeah. So as you're saying that, that's coming back to me. And I think that was really important. Um, that chick was able to say, okay, now contract. Okay, you're not quite doing it right. Um, you need to squeeze this part and this part and these muscles. And I think it was really helpful like that. Was, yeah. I think it would have mm. been because I remember trying to get um, – doing some pelvic floor exercises um, after the cesarean and lying in bed. And if you're lying on your back and you feel like you're trying to pull your pelvic floor up, it felt, like, it felt like it went like this. Ooh, totally. It, ta- yeah. <laughs> it took that long. No, yeah, it's a totally. really scientific way to describe it. <laughs> Instead of like... Rah, 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 rah. Exactly. <laughs> it felt like it was very slow. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is which yeah, I think totally. means it's mm. very loose. So yeah. I think you just have to remember it is a muscle like any other muscle. So, you know, it is challenged under pregnancy and then obviously in childbirth. So if you have a natural birth, then... It goes through different pressure as opposed to a cesarean. So obviously there's different things that you want to be addressing if you go and see a women's health physio. Mm. So if you feel like you are coughing or sneezing or jumping and you're not controlling um, and you're weighing your a bladder. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or if, even if you have pain during sex, like these are, are common things. So yeah, definitely go and get it checked out because it's not something that you have to live with forever mm. um, and it's something that can be helped, fixed, yeah. Mm. By someone sticking their finger in <laughs> <laughs> They wear a glove. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think that if we have another couple of glasses of wine, we can get some really interesting content. Um Thanks so much, guys, for coming and talking to us. I think it's something that we need heaps more information and conversations about because there's so many of us girls that love climbing, want to have babies and want to be able to still climb. So we're going to put together um, some notes from this episode and put it up as a blog on the podcast, uh, on the Baffle Days website. Um, if you want any information from Andrea, you can contact info at moveclinic.com.au. And you can book in with her um, for some exercise physiology stuff. She does not do internal exams. <laughs> <but> she, <laughs> see a women's health physio You for can that. see a women's health physio for that. Um, and you can catch Carly at Villawood Climbing Gym. So Sydney Indoor Villawood. And she'll be setting tons of crushing roots, leading a bit of a women's root setting team, I think. Yeah, we've got a few females on the team. Yep. 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 So there's exciting things for her. And we'll see Helen crushing at the cliffs. Mm, and and if you want to buy some artwork. Yeah, yeah, come uh, buy some art. Yep. <laughs> yeah, day fine art. <laughs> so thanks when so much, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and we're allowed to open. Yeah. Thanks for listening. It's always such a privilege to get to share people's stories and to get to take up some of your time telling my stories about my climbing life. Um, I hope it helps make the transition into climbing parenthood a little easier. Um, we're actually putting together or we have a tips and tricks sheet that we're going to put up on our website um, as a blog um, just to help with some of the gear that we've talked about and physios, um, a few little things like that. So if you go to the Baffle Days website, you'll find it there. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Baffle Days Instagram. Catch you next time. Bye.